a legendary photo lab is now at your fingertips. ShopDugal.com is the expanded online storefront of Dugal Visual Solutions, a leader and innovator in printing for over 50 years. At ShopDugal.com, you now have instant access to world-class printing solutions such as HD photo and archival pigment prints, acrylic prints, canvas prints, metal prints, photo books, and more. And the best part, they ground ship for free. So give them your best work and they'll give you theirs. Find out more at shopdugal.com slash master. That's S-H-O-P-D-U-G-G-A-L dot com slash master. And use promo code master at checkout to get 25% off your first order. This is episode nine of our season on turning your portrait hobby into a portrait business. In today's episode, Eric and I talk about building an organic web presence to allow people to find your business on the web without you having to pay for advertising. Then on Sticking Points, I sit down with Ken Bravik to discuss building the confidence to fearlessly price your business where it needs to be priced for sustainable longevity. Welcome to the Portrait Session Podcast, a show for portrait photographers who want to dominate their industry. With your hosts, Erica Kay and Connor Hibbs. Hey there, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Portrait Session Podcast. My name is Connor Hibbs, and today, as always, I am joined by Miss Erica Kay. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm great, Connor. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, As you might know from before we started recording, I'm feeling very chatty today, so I feel like this is going to be a good episode. (laughs) You are chatty today, so yeah, this will be a good one. You've been a good listener so far today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. I actually have yeah. people tell me that a lot. So I think I talk a lot more on the podcast than I do in real life. I, I would believe that. I think that I, <laughs> well, same, because most of my life, I'm just like sitting quietly editing stuff. So I don't, yeah, it's, it's like the, the instances that I have to talk with people. I'm like, oh, hey, there uh, are other people in the world. Yeah, there are people that interact and uh, get my whole brain out. And then my wife nudges me and she's like, hey, shut up. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> um, so on today's episode, we're going to be discussing building an organic web presence um, through social media, Google, blogging on your website, um, and just SEO and stuff like that. So just making it so you're you're actually being found out there on the internet um, when people do searches in your area for photographers and stuff. Um, this is something that I, I definitely have knowledge on, but I'm not super, well, honestly, the whole disclaimer for this season should be like, I understand these things and I don't do them well. Um, but <laughs> this is especially an episode of like, I definitely get this. I just don't do it very well. So I'm going to be deferring <laughs> to your expertise a lot, Erica. Okay, well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do have some experience and I've learned a lot since hiring a marketer for the studio. So I can share share some tips from that experience as well. Steal their knowledge and share it with everyone. That's absolutely awesome. (laughs) Shout out to Jackie, our marketer. Everybody can thank her later. Way to go, Jackie. Thanks for helping (laughs) all of us out. Vicariously, I guess. (laughs) So so anyway, let, let's get into this conversation um, talking about building an organic web presence. Um, 
what do you think is the most important thing in building your web presence? I know a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on SEO, but then a lot of other people are like totally social media based. Um, where do you stand and what do you think the first thing people should consider is? Uh, that's a tough question because really in order to have a solid web presence, you kind of have to do it all. Yeah. Um, so I, it's hard to say what's most important uh, but I would say like if you're just starting out and just, you know, kind of trying to take baby steps with this, which a lot of people are, I don't recommend trying to do all of this at once. It's too overwhelming, but I probably would start with social media. Uh, it's, yeah. It is the, I think the most commonly used web function or whatever. Um, and it's probably the easiest for, for people to kind of figure out in terms of how to use it to your advantage. Yeah, totally. I, I, I would say, I agree with you. Like it, it is something that you definitely need to do a bit of everything with, but um, social media is definitely a really good way to find um, more passive clients. Um, the, the SEO and Google pages and all that other stuff. You're really kind of trying to get your name out there for the people that are actually searching for your services or social media. You can actually find clientele through that side. Just that are have it, they happen to scroll by, they see a photo of yours and say like, wow, that's really cool. And, and so it's, you find people that have more of an emotional connection with you in particular, rather than people that are already thinking of what they want in, in their head. And then just trying to find somebody who fits that. Um, so, yeah, so, so true to, to me, uh, a lot of my focus, not to say I'm even good at this, but I, I think that, in my mind, the priority for me, me and my business is more on the social media side of things um, than it is on my other elements of organic web presence. Yeah, I, I think for most photographers, it's it is probably more of a social media thing uh, yeah. just because we're photographers. We have we naturally have the content to be able to put on social media. It's not like we're some other sort of service that really has to dig for content to put on social media. We produce the things that actually live on social media, photos and videos and things like that. So it's, it's natural for people like us to just kind of automatically go to social media. So it definitely makes sense that you put your focus there and a lot of other people do as well. well a lot of other photographers do as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I mean, it's kind of, it can be a little bit of a dangerous trap sometimes because when you post stuff to social media, you get people that like your images and you're like, oh, cool, like I'm getting attention. Um, so, so don't get too sucked up in that side of it. It's mo more for me just the fact that it's an easy platform that I know people are already just on and uh, it, it feels easier to me rather than trying to um, put my own little corner of the internet up and drawing attention there on social media. It just feels like because people are already there, um, it just, it makes it easier for me to reach out to those around me. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, it, it just feels more instinctually easy. And as such, because it's not an area that I'm super good with anyway, that's kind of where I focus a lot of my attention um, and put my priority. Uh, how, how about like Google pages versus just trying to rank organically for your website? Um, are, are, do you put a lot of your attention into getting reviews for, for Google? I know that that supposedly helps a lot um, for people searching photographers in your region or whatever it may be 
Yeah. So utilizing Google pages and Google maps and having like a Google business page and all the things that Google offers, it really does help with SEO. It's yeah. Those are things that are factored into SEO. So for those of you who don't know what SEO is, it's it stands for search engine optimization. And it's basically the algorithm that makes businesses or links or articles or whatever pop up on Google when you do a keyword search. So Somebody that if you if you were to search like Columbus, Ohio, wedding photographers, somebody with really good SEO is going to be like the first, second, third or whatever hit on, you know, yeah. on that search. Somebody that doesn't have as great of SEO might be like on the 10th page uh, of of those searches. So uh, SEO is essentially the way that Google or, you know, online. Yeah. I don't even know the terms for these things like the online search engines world. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's how they rank the different services and, and articles and stuff that are online. So, yeah, because um, essentially uh, any search engine, their their intention, the, the, their purpose in life is to just connect people that are searching for a thing with the best use of or with the best kind of content for that thing as possible. So what what we're essentially trying to do with any kind of SEO is finding the keywords, finding niches, things that people are going to search for and trying to make those search engines see our website as being good sources of that kind of content. So if somebody types in for me, Colorado Springs headshot photographer, I want to make my website um, have lots of content and things. And I want Google pages to, to list me as a Colorado or Connor Hibbs photography, headshot photography or something like that. Um, just so when somebody searches for my region plus headshot photographer, which is a thing I want to I want to rank for, um, they already see, okay, well, this website has a bunch of that word, those words on there. So clearly they're probably targeted towards that. They have content that's going to be useful for the person searching for this. So that's all we're trying to do is take a website that would otherwise just be nothing or pictures and just give whatever search engine, um, the little bits of information that say like, Hey, this is stuff that's going to be useful for whatever I am trying to target for. Right. Absolutely. And, and Google Pages really helps with that. So anything yeah. you can do, we'll talk in a few minutes in a little more detail about how to make your website SEO friendly. But um, yeah. anything you can do on Google will help you do that. So create a Google Plus page under your business name, create a, a Google business page and a Google Maps listing um, with your business information, because the, the more times that Google or any of these um, search engines see your information floating around, the better, the higher yeah. you're going to rank and the more people they're going to push toward your website. Yeah, especially um, with things that you kind of have to jump through hoops for already with the Google pages. So being listed on Google Maps, you can't just say um, my studio address or my business address is whatever, 123 Fake Street. Um, you you put in the address when you've registered with Google. You, you put in your address for being listed on Google Maps and having a Google or a business show up on Google Maps. And they actually send you a physical card in the mail that has a code that you that is written on it. So you actually have to be at that address to be able to pick it up and, and write it out. The weird thing is um, I, I've, I've had a little bit of a few small issues with the Google maps feature. Um, 
because my my studio's address, which is what I have listed as my business address, my studio's address is wrong according to the maps. Um, the the address is a half, so it's one twenty seven and a half. And for some reason, Google Maps has it listed as being a block and a half away from where my studio actually is. Mm. So I'm listed yeah. on Google, and it shows up, and you could search my name, and it, it takes you. The really bad thing is the location where it takes people to is a different photography place. <laughs> It's it's oh, not a no. photo studio. It's like a photo education place. But I I what constantly luck? have oh to tell people. I know it's the worst luck. Um, but I, I have to tell people, hey, like don't go specifically to Google Maps. I tell them to Google one twenty seven. So it's not even my address. And then look for the sign that says photography, and it takes people to the right place. But according to Google Maps, I've had people um, just look it up because they lost whatever information I sent to them, and then they go to the wrong place, and I end up wandering oh, around no. trying to find them um which i don't love and i've contacted google <laughs> about it and they haven't fixed it um yeah sorry rant there. yeah they're not the most responsive but Definitely if you can not. get it working right for you it's pretty useful and and like mine's mine's probably a special case because it as i said the address is 127 and a half um which doesn't show up well in any kind of web browser anyway so i it, i've kind of found this workaround of telling people the address without the half and it kind of gets people there but um it's it's been a frustration of mine for sure yeah that sucks but despite that being listed on on google maps and with google plus and having a um, google business listing um, i've actually noticed that even without doing anything to my website that that helped to boost people finding me um, so them seeing that you have a legitimate address there there's something in their algorithm that says well clearly this this person has a legitimate business and as such you you have your website associated with that and as such, um, I, I rank better. So even just taking the small steps of um, setting up a Google listing for your business and putting it on maps um, can definitely help. And I I don't remember. Do you know if you can actually do like P.O. boxes for Google Maps for people that don't, don't have a studio? Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I, I would be interested to see if you could, because I understand people that don't have a studio being a little bit hesitant to put like their personal address in as their business address, because, well, then people can find your house and that's potentially scary. Um, yeah, <laughs> man, that, that's something that, that I wish that I, I knew off the top of my head. I will say at the end of the season, we're going to be doing a, a kind of an addendum episode. So I will make sure to look that up after the fact. I'm going to put notes here in the show notes for myself to look that up and give us a response later on. Good idea. Okay. So since we kind of were talking about SEO with, with the Google stuff, let's let's talk a little bit about SEO. We'll yeah, absolutely. Skip over some things first and go to SEO first. So do you do much with your SEO, Connor, uh, you, outside of the you, Google stuff? You know, not really. I know a lot of people will, for their websites and making their websites much more searchable, um, they will keep up a consistent blog that constantly is trying to target the keywords that they target and so on and so forth. I, I've implemented some SEO in my website, but I don't do the blogging stuff like that. I just, I find trouble in um, writing things. I don't like doing that over and over and over again. Um, but the things that I have done is that I have made sure to go through my website and 
really fill out words. I, I find that a lot of websites that I look at from other photographers, they'll oftentimes just have their photos on there, a short, you know, paragraph on an about me page that's not their home page. And and that's it. And one thing that I've done for my SEO is not only have I picked out keywords, which you kind of just do by searching for terms and seeing if people are ranking, if it's something that's going to be really hard to rank against or things that are a little bit more nichey. Um, that that could be a whole episode on its own, searching for keywords and, and finding <laughs> yeah. the right stuff to try and target for SEO. But I, I've found words that I want to try and target for search engines um, that help my help people find my business. And it's not so out there that no one's going to be searching it. It's it's something that people have searched for, but not as frequently as like Colorado photographer or something like that. And I have gone through with those keywords and kind of implemented them in the writings on my about page. So, um, SEO can be as simple as um, certain website, like I know WordPress has a thing, Squarespace has a thing that it's just a little button that you turn on and it says optimize for SEO. And it it kind of does that. It helps to feed Google with your information for your website. Um, but you you can also you need to be at least somewhat strategic about it and write words on your website. So my my landing page has tons of words. And honestly, I, I should probably go back and completely re- rewrite it because it doesn't even really apply to my current clientele or the clientele that I'm trying to target anymore. But I have lots of stuff that I figure eh, most people probably won't read this anyway, but it's telling Google all it, I, I keep on hitting on the things that I want Google to see about my web page. So that's something that I've done. I've also changed the name of my website. So my website isn't just Connor Hibbs photography, like the domain name is, Um, but the actual, it just, I don't, I don't even know what it's called. (laughs) What shows up display name or registration, the display name name for, for the website um, is Connor Hibbs photography slash, Colorado Springs headshot photographer slash port, uh, sing, individual portrait. I don't remember exactly what I have, but I, I even that it's like what I'm specifically trying to target for my keywords is the name of my website. Um, so I yeah, have my name smart. first. So people that sees it or see it that first see my name, but then everything after that is what I'm actually targeting. And that helps with my SEO as well. So Erica, let's, let's hear yeah. what you're doing for your SEO. Well, I want to touch on a couple of things you said first. Yeah, so totally. I, th- I think um, the the information that you were sharing about searching for keywords, yes. that is super important because you need to make sure that you are using keywords that people are actually going to search for, but not using keywords that are so popular and used by so many people that you'll never be able to rank within that keyword. So yeah. something I use, um, it's kwfinder.com. Uh, the letter K, the letter W, finder.com. And it's a keyword finder website. Website, you, yeah. It, yeah, you can kind of you put in a keyword that you're thinking of. So, for example, Columbus, Ohio wedding photographer. And then it will calculate, it'll tell you the likelihood of you getting seen with that keyword. It will tell you, you know, if there's a million other people using it, it'll say like, don't use this keyword. Here are some other alternatives. Yeah. And then you can go through and kind of analyze those other alternatives. So it really helps you formulate the keywords that, again, are things that people are going to be searching for, but 
not so much that or not so popular that you'll never be found. So definitely check that out as you're working on your SEO. It'll help you get a better idea of the types of keywords you can be you should be using and the likelihood that it's actually going to work for you. Uh, you know, if you have a small website, even even somebody like me, I, I'm established and have SEO and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty big in my area. Yeah, there are some keywords that even a website like mine aren't going to rank for because there are huge, huge websites that will just, you know, push me out. So you have to be smart about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a matter of trying to find that right balance because it, it's right. it's not to say that you couldn't rank for a day or two. If it, it, the thing is, these the the rankings on any individual keyword change with some regularity. So it's not to say that you couldn't rank for a short period of time with Ohio wedding photographer um, as right. your as your keyword search. It's just that because that is such a popular search term, a lot of people are that are also photographers or even your your thumbtacks and other sites like that that are trying to be a middleman for us um, from people. They're all going to be targeting these words that are super common. And as such, it's just going to make it you're going to have to put in so much effort to try and stay on those right. those pages without seeing a huge difference. Most likely you will not see a huge difference unless you're constantly ranked at the top of one of these highly sought after terms. One of the other problems is that oftentimes uh, the the keywords that are being thought over are things that people don't actually even search for all that well. Um, so, <laughs> right. so listing any website as um, portraiture versus like family photos, like family portraits versus family photos. Uh, the average person that's doing a Google search is probably going to search for family photos over family portraits because portrait is right. kind of a, a an insider term. It's not entirely, but it's it's something that photographers use more than a lay person would use. But you'll see a bunch of family photographers search uh, trying to rank for family portraiture when that's not even going to be super fruitful. So it's it's a matter of trying Absolutely. to. Um, all these keyword finders will show you what, how many people are searching for whatever term you've put in, other terms that are um, popular, and how much competition you have for that. So it's a matter of finding not just one, but a handful of keywords that are things that people are searching for a bit, and that people uh, that your competition isn't necessarily fighting for. So it's it's a matter of right. building a strategy around having a lot of lower searches that are still going to be pr fruitful and not hard to fight for. And if you can get get a hold of your SEO to to the point where you're ranking for those kinds of search words, that's where you're going to start getting a lot of traffic coming into your site. If you if you constantly spend all of your time working for um, whatever family portraits or family pictures, and it's going to be something that's hotly contested. You're going to spend all of your time going after that particular keyword and still not getting the same kind of traffic that you could get if you took a, a lower volume um, multi keyword type approach. Right. Yeah. And then another thing that I wanted to to talk about that you started to talk about was using yeah. these keywords throughout your site. So you it's a good thing to use keywords throughout your site. You have to identify those good keywords, you know, for your industry yeah. and your area and use them throughout the site. But you have to use them organically throughout the site. You can't just, you know, throw <laughs> yeah. 10 keywords on a page with nothing else, you know, maybe photos or whatever. But you can't just like type out a bunch of keywords on a page and, and that be it. You have to use them organically or you'll get dinged by Google or yeah. by these search engines and actually it'll push you down further in the ranking. So you have to make sure that you are 
using these keywords in sentences and in you know or organically in the titles of your pages, not just throwing them on just as a plain keyword. So like I can't just have my landing page just have Columbus, Ohio wedding photographer written yeah. all over it. I have to say something like, hi, I'm Erica Kay, and I am a Columbus, Ohio wedding photographer. I have to use it in a way that's organic and that actually, you know, makes feels sense natural. when somebody, yeah, exactly, feels natural, makes sense when somebody comes and looks at the website. If if Google or any of these other engines see that you're just putting keywords everywhere all over your site in a way that is not organic or is not natural they will actually deduct points from you and ding you and it'll push you down in the rankings even more so you have to be careful about how you're putting this on your website yeah and and the reason for that is because if you're just if you're putting in ohio wedding photographer columbus wedding photographer and just keyword 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 that looks like spam because that's not actually useful information to a person so it it, the the um, the little bots that troll the internet and find these useful keywords. Um, they're specifically looking for stuff that's going to seem contextually relevant. And as such, you need to make sure that, yeah, you're using them in an organic fashion. And it, it's okay if it's a little bit, a, a, a little bit obvious in that you could say, hi, I'm Connor Hibbs. I am a Colorado Springs headshot photographer. Um, and that's not something that I would necessarily say normally. I, I would say I'm a photographer and I live in Colorado Springs. I, I like doing hedge. Like if I'm really being organic, it's going to not flow perfectly like that. Um, but as long as you're doing it in a way that seems contextually relevant and isn't completely awkward and spammy, um, that's the kind of thing that you're looking for in, in optimizing your website there. Right, for sure. And that's why I'm going to kind of jump to a, a different topic, but related. That's why yes. blogging is so important. <laughs> so blogging is obviously super important for your clients if you're blogging their sessions and giving them sneak peeks and giving them things to share with their friends and family. Like, awesome. Good for yeah. you. Also super important for having a web presence, just getting more stuff out there, getting your work out there, having more things on your website for people to look at. Look at. Super awesome. But one of the main reasons why blogging is so important for businesses like us is because of SEO. You have to maintain a blog if you want to be able to rank high on Google because Google counts the amount of new content on a website as positive attributes to ranking. So unless you're just going to constantly add new pages to your website, which I don't recommend because you don't want to have too many actual pages on your website or else it it gets confusing for people and people get lost and then they leave. You should be taking advantage of blogging and adding new content to your website through blogging. So as photographers, like I said, with social media, we have so much content to put out there. So blogging is a great way to do that. You don't necessarily have to write a whole novel. You can, if you like to write, go for it. You don't have to write a whole novel. You need to write a little bit, but your blog can be mostly photos from sessions that you've done or photos that you take you know, on your own time or creative photos, whatever. Just put stuff out there. Yeah. Now, tying this into SEO, there are there are lots of plugins that you can use on on the different website platforms, but the one that I use is called Yoast. It's a plugin for WordPress. I have all my blogs hosted on WordPress for all of my uh, websites, just the blog portion for my wedding photography site. 
and I use the Yoast plugin, which is an SEO plugin. And it's not one, Connor, you mentioned you, I think you have one that you can just like click a button and it optimizes it. Yeah. Yeah. That's how Squarespace is, which, um, I've always been very skeptical of that because it's just like it's a slider <laughs> that t- you easy. turn on and it's like, do my SEO. And I'm, yeah, uh, OK, sure. <laughs> so Yoast is not like that at all. So Yoast is an interactive plugin and it's essentially a guide to SEO for every blog post or every page on your website. So when you activate the the Yoast plugin, it will first it'll tell you to identify a keyword and you type your keyword in there and then it gives you steps to complete and fill out to ensure that your post is properly optimized you know oh, and it's going to be cool. and it's going to rank well so it'll tell you like okay now you need to uh create a title for this post that includes the keyword and then it, once you do that it'll say okay that's a good title or no that's a sh- title you need to rework it a little bit you know, so that it looks more organic. Yeah. And then it'll say, okay, you need to you need to have at least this many words in your in your text and make uh-huh. sure you use your your keyword two times in your text. And then it'll say, okay, you need to add some photos in. Make sure that you are putting alt tags on the photos with this keyword. And it'll kind of give you a whole list of things to do and it'll mark things off the list. It'll give you a green light if you've if you've completed it successfully. It'll give you an orange or yellow light. I forget what it is. Probably yellow if it's if if it's like the, okay. you know, traffic lights. Yeah. yeah. If it's just okay. And then it'll give you a red light if they're like, okay, this sucks. You really need to make sure that you go back and fix this. So it's it's really informative. It's really educational. I've been using it for a few years and now I almost don't even need to look at it anymore because I know by default what I need to do because I've used it so much. Um, and it's it's really good for SEO. Since I implemented it, my rankings really went up super yeah. high. It fluctuates, like you mentioned earlier. Sometimes I'm on the first page of Google. Sometimes I'm on the fifth. It really fluctuates, but it has definitely, definitely helped my SEO. That's seriously, that's really cool. Um, so, so I have a question for you. Um, last week we were talking about the f- use of websites and you were saying that you actually have a few different kinds of websites. Are you using a WordPress yeah. blog, even if you're using another site for your main website? Yes. Yep. Interesting. So like for, for Erica K, I have a show it website and a WordPress blog. So within word, within WordPress show, it has a, I guess it would be a plugin. I don't really know if yeah. it's technically called a plugin, but it it connects to show it. Um, but it's hosted through WordPress, so I have all the functionalities of WordPress, all the pu- plugins available for WordPress, just on the blog portion of my Erica K website. Oh, that's that's seriously that's really interesting. Um, so I I have a question for you. This is something that I have considered in the past and um, want to know your opinions on it. Um, so. I, I know whenever I do social media posting, um, especially for Instagram, given uh, my Instagram is kind of tailored more towards all of you listeners and and other photographers. Um, but I, I write essentially a blog post for each one you of my do. social media. Um, yes, you do. Posts. And I was thinking about that when earlier you were like, I don't like to write. I don't blog. And I'm like, <laughs> Connor, your Instagram posts are like a blog. Are a blog because they're super wordy yeah. and I constantly hit my limits for what instagram allows so so yeah. <laughs> in, in your opinion um I, i've heard 
two different schools of thought here. Some people say like you need to write your content for each media platform that you're on. So your Facebook post should be written differently than an Instagram post should be written differently than Twitter or Pinterest or, or a blog. Um, how do you feel about that? Like this is, this is more a question for me at this point. Should I just be posting my Instagram posts to a blog page as well? And would that actually help me? Um, I would say, yes, you should be doing okay. that, especially <laughs> because you do write so much like that's the perfect length for a blog post most blog posts require 300 words which sounds like a lot but really it's not it's like a couple paragraphs yeah um so i would say for you yes now your question about like should i be writing differently so and this is something that i've i've learned recently by observing our marketer at the studio um She so she doesn't necessarily write differently. She'll sometimes change up a a few sentences or a few words. She doesn't really ever like rewrite the whole thing, but she does post at different times and even on different days. So she she wouldn't write something up and post it on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram all at the same time. She'll post it on Facebook on Monday and then on Instagram on Thursday and then on LinkedIn, like the following Tuesday. So she spreads it out so that it's, it appears more organic to the people who are on those platforms. And maybe she'll change up the text just a little bit, but she doesn't rewrite everything for every platform. Yeah, that that seems smart. One one thing that I definitely I used to do and have kind of learned apparently, um, especially with social media, they don't love this, but uh, any kind of uh, application that will automatically post to a bunch of different places. So um, yes. I was using if this then that. Um, so I'd say if I post to Instagram, I want you to post to Facebook and Twitter, and and it was automatically doing all of, all of those things for me. Now with Instagram and Facebook being the same company, I, I don't think that it's a problem so much if you post to Instagram and select through Instagram, post to Facebook as well. Um, but using using services like that, where like if I were to write a blog post, I want that blog post the image from that to go to Instagram and Facebook. And um, I, I I feel like I remember reading something that social media in particular will ding the performance of that if it's not posted organically within that actual piece of social media. If, they're, if you're using any kind of posting service, um, that can actually hurt you overall. Yeah, that's, that's actually true. And it's kind of a new development. So I'm sure everybody knows that Facebook and Instagram and all these places are, are they change all the time. Um, yes. And too as, frequently. At, yeah, too frequently as a way to, they're really trying to push like the organic posting and, and really trying to detract businesses in my opinion. So yeah. what they're doing is if they see that a business is using Hootsuite or if this, then that, or like any of those applications that posts all of them at the same time, they reduce the visibility of those posts. So you're actually getting seen less by the people who follow you. So if you have a business account on Instagram, if you have a business account on Facebook, do not post through those applications. You can like set up a reminder to, to post them if you want at the same time, but don't let it post on your behalf because it's going to hide them and you're not going to get the views that you should be getting or would be getting if you weren't posting through that application. 
Yeah. Yeah. Given I haven't posted anything in like a month and a half at this point, uh, maybe even two months, but um, I even from Instagram to Facebook uh, after reading that, I got so worried about it that I, I've started. I'll copy the same text and po- po- post it from one to the other. And I will take out all the hashtags that I use on Instagram for my Facebook posts and I'll tag everybody separately. So I, I will go in and rewrite the names and everything. Um, but I, I've started doing those things completely separately. And well, now based on what you've said, I'm going to start a blog and just start posting everything there too, I guess. Um, you should. Yeah, I, I, you're you're not wrong. I kind of forget <laughs> that I write as much as I do when I post to Instagram. Um, but anyway, yes. Uh, that, so that's, that's something that I would recommend anyone else do instead of, it's not to say that you can't use the same content between all of these different posts. Um, I, I kind of disagree with the school of thought that says you need to write for every individual piece of social media. Um, I, I've heard that used before and I like good, fine. That's great. But at the same time we have lives and we can't just be posting to social media and blogging and everything right. with all of our free time. Um, so I say yeah. it's fine in my mind. It maybe it's less ideal, but there's nothing wrong with just using the same content between all these different platforms. But I I would definitely encourage anybody doing this to actually copy the content and bring it in in the native platform and post individually in each of them, um, rather than just trying to do one mass post through any of these services that will automatically post everywhere else. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, Erica, do you have anything else that we need to go over before this segment is done? I do want to touch on one thing, and and this is something that we probably should have talked about last week when we were talking about uh, websites, websites, but it's relevant yeah. now too. Uh, the importance of mobile optimization. So you want to make sure uh, this is specifically for SEO, which is why I'm mentioning it now. But one of the characteristics of or the expectations of SEO algorithms is that your website is mobile friendly. And if you don't have a mobile friendly version, you will get dinged and you won't show up in the rankings or you won't be as high in the rankings. So you definitely want to make sure that you are taking the time to design a mobile friendly version of your website. So most website um, hosts or platforms or whatever allow you to essentially design two different versions, one for for desktop views and then one for mobile views. So make sure that you're taking advantage of that and creating a mobile-friendly version or a mobile-optimized version of your website as well so that you can continue to rank in SEO and so that people who are on their phones, which you know is a lot of people, yeah. um, when they look at your site, they're not completely just turned off and, and move away from it automatically. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's something that um, we definitely should have gotten to last week. And that's that's something that sorry to, to go back to my constant plugging of Squarespace, um, even though they're not a sponsor. But um, that's one more reason why I like them is because all of their websites automatically are optimized for for mobile use. Um, but even even though it's automatically optimized, I think it's important to pay attention to when you're laying out a website for desktop, paying attention to what it looks like on different size desktop browser windows or what it looks like on the mobile version because 
because um, sometimes when you place elements on on your web page, it'll look really good in one view, and then you go to the mobile view, and it just looks really clunky and off awkward. So yeah. even though it's been um, quote unquote optimized, it's it's mobile friendly. It's not necessarily as mobile friendly as it could be. So it's something to definitely take into consideration when you're building your website is the way that things look. And and if you don't think that that's important, use your website's analytics um, software and look and see because I, I I know from my website that it's over 50% of people are accessing my website on a phone. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's around there. I think it's like 55% are phones compared to the 45% that are desktop, but it's a significant amount of users. And it's something that's really easy when you're thinking about um, the design and the layout and the SEO to kind of ignore that mobile side. And it's really important because that's actually how a huge majority of people are, well, not a huge majority, but a majority of people are going to be finding your website. Right, right. And that's actually what I like most about Show It. So Show It has, it will automatically design your mobile version as you're yeah. designing the desktop version. But what you can do is then you can go into the mobile side of the, the building tool and actually and change, it. change it. Yeah. So that's you can cool. you can move things around and preview how it would look on an iPad or a phone or anything like that. Um, so that you you have essentially the same content, but you can move it around and shape it in a different way that's going to look better uh, uh, vertically instead of horizontally. So yeah. that that flexibility with Show It has been just like so helpful. So it it designs it as you're designing the regular version, but then you have the flexibility to go in and move things around and and make it actually look better on on mobile. That's actually that's super cool. Honestly, that's something that maybe I could do during do in Squarespace because I usually just will go over to the mobile side, see something looks wonky and go back to the desktop and rework it. I wonder if I can I can <laughs> yeah. switch stuff specifically for the different platforms. You but, probably can. But that's that's definitely a cool thing. And if you're able to, that's um, a, a smart thing to do. Yeah, because when you change it on the mobile side, it doesn't affect at all the stuff that you've already designed on the desktop side. So you don't even have to worry about you know, trying to rework everything on the desktop yeah. side of things. You don't have to try and find a balance between the two of those right. things. They, they yep. um, can be slightly independent from each other. Well, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Erica, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. And we will be back in just a moment with our next segment, Sticking Points. Welcome back to Portrait Session. I'm Connor Hibbs. You're listening to our newest segment on the show called Sticking Points. Every week on Sticking Points, either Erica or myself sits down with a listener just like you to discuss your goals in photography and give you some mentoring to help you get past the things that you're feeling stuck on. If you'd like to be be a part of this one-on-one mentoring session here on the show, go over to our website at www.portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on the link titled Sticking Points. From there, you'll fill out a little submission form, give us information about how we can help you, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Again, that's portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on Sticking Points. So today I'm joined by Mr. Ken Bravik. How are you doing today, man? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing really well today. I'm I'm excited to be sitting down in conversation with you. So before we get into anything, how about you tell us a little bit about who you are, what it is that you do, and where people can find you, and so on. Um, my 
my photography stuff is all found at uh, photosfromken.com. That's where my portfolio is. And uh, Facebook, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, www.facebook.com photos from Ken. Uh, that wasn't unfortunately available on Instagram. So Instagram, it's just uh, my name, Ken Bravik, K-E-N-B-R-E-I-V-I-K. And uh, I think we're going to get into this a little bit, but really my photography uh my photography stuff is part of my marketing company, which is Nehemiah Communications. And that's all over the place at nehemiahcommunications.com. Awesome, man. Well, how about we hop right into this then? So so what is it that you're currently feeling stuck on? Well, there's kind of two things. The, the first one was really the issue of price point. Um, you know, I, I, I know that some people are getting into photography, you know, maybe as their first job or they don't even have a job. But I think there's also um, a lot of us that are probably on the other side of that, that were either have a full time job or, uh, you know, in my case, photography is a part of what my business is. And I'd like to do more of it. Um, and and then the second part, probably after that, is to talk a little bit um pick up a little bit where you left off last week with the discussion on, uh, you know, what you photograph to earn a living versus the kinds of stuff that maybe have less commercial value, but you enjoy shooting. Um, Yeah. So those would be the two main things. Fair enough. I'd love to get in. Uh, uh, all right. Well, let, let's talk first a bit about the, the pricing and, and the main hangup that you're having there. Um, so, so what is it that you're finding is, is troubling you with this? Well, you know, w- with the business, um, most business people tend to look at their work kind of whatever their day rate is or whatever they have to have to charge uh, to, to make a living. And you guys have done a good job. And there's a lot of other folks that have done work in the area of, you know, figuring out what the correct amount to charge is. Yeah. What, how to so, set your pricing. Right. So, so that's not really where the question is. Um, but, but those, but the levels that, that are out there in the market seem so low to me, just in terms of college students coming out and everything else that I, you know, I, I literally have seen people that are doing half day shoots for a hundred, 150 bucks. And, you know, for a business guy that that's, that's, you know, I would probably pay more in taxes during those hours or something (laughs) than what that would cost. It's it's hard to justify setting your prices as low. So, so it sounds to me like the the big concern here is just um, how are you able to differentiate yourself and be able to set your prices where they actually should be when you have so many other people out there that are charging way under what an appropriate rate is, much less the fact that realistically, I'm sure if you were to be charging that much money, you could be making more at your regular job rather than, than making so little, um, for such a, uh, yeah. Making so little. Is that, is that a a good summary of, of the problem that you're feeling there? Yeah. Okay. So, so let's, that's great. Let's talk a little bit about that because, um, actually I don't know exactly which episode this is going to be coming out on. Um, but in the episode that Eric and I have recorded on pricing, we, we talk about this very issue to a certain degree and, and the conversation is, okay, well, 
do you ignore the market completely and charge what you know is the right amount to charge? Or do you pay some attention to the market and still maybe take into consideration there? Um, because it, it's not reasonable if you feel like what you need to make in in your job. I'm just going to throw out a hypothetical number here. It's not reasonable for you to say, well, my day rate is $10,000 to shoot a corporate event that's just a you know, an award ceremony or something where they're realistically not even going to use the photos for much. They just want the photos because it's nice to have in case they need them for something. Um, so right. it's not reasonable to come in to a market where clearly it's not going to sustain a price, a price point that is that ridiculously high. At the same time, it you're going to put yourself out of business if you charge so little that you're if you're charging one hundred and fifty dollars a day and think that that's going to be sustainable when realistically that's that's just not a sustainable price for you to be doing eight hours of work and editing and everything else on top of that. Not not just talking about paying taxes on that, but also just the value of your time at that by the end of everything, the value of your time is going to be $7 an hour or something, if not less. Um, so it, how, how do we balance between charging an appropriate amount and, and, and not completely pricing yourself out of the market? Well, uh, the, the first thought that I have with that is that no matter what, you're always going to have those college kids that are, are charging $150 for a whole day because they don't know what the price is. They don't know what an appropriate price is. And from a, a businessman standpoint, if you're like, well, I don't know the difference or I don't care that much about the quality of these photos. And one person's telling me that his day rate is $1,500. And one person's telling me that it's 10 times less at $150. If I'm not going to know the difference anyway, I, it, would be dumb of me to pay more for it at the same time that person is not going to be charging that forever that, that that college kid is eventually going to realize man i'm working for six bucks an hour and gonna have to change so it i think that part of the game there from the college kid standpoint is trying to win new business that they can then slowly raise their prices on well the problem is once they eventually get to a point where they're charging an appropriate amount for the services that they're providing they're going to be then competing against you and they're also going to have gone through the pain point of going back to their client year after year and telling them you know what i need you to pay me a little bit more i need you to pay me a little bit more and eventually that's going to push that client to say maybe we should look at other options maybe we should see something else and who knows maybe they'll find the new college kid that's charging 150 dollars and hire that kid instead or maybe they'll say well if i'm going to be spending this much anyway what are the options at this price point so I think that the, the key here is to pay attention to what not just a college kid is doing in your area, but pay attention to what the general market seems to be charging for the services that you're wanting to provide and seeing how that stacks up against your expectations. Because I, I genuinely believe that there is a, a market at any price point in any market. You will find people that are willing to pay you that $10,000 for a day for whatever the service might be. Those people are just going to be fewer and further between. So it's finding a good balance between setting your price where it's going to actually be worth your while to show up and do those things and being low enough that you have enough clients that are paying at that price point. So it, to me, I say figure out what the numbers are first and then figure out how you can make deliverables 
work for that those numbers so for me when i'm doing a, a day rate of fifteen hundred dollars which is uh, i don't mind i i don't mind telling everybody that's what i charge currently um for my day rate for event photography for businesses and things of that sort um but at fifteen hundred dollars i know that okay realistically if i'm shooting eight hours of of coverage for fifteen hundred dollars i can't take the time to do really detailed culling or really detailed editing and spend lots of time in the post-processing phases so i have found ways that i am able to shoot stuff that is going to come out decent enough straight out of camera and i can take an hour or two to turn everything around and get it out and posted and ready to go um, without spending too much time and and wasting all of that extra resource that i have there and i've figured that out just by doing by figuring out what i can actually afford at that price point and i've set the day rate of fifteen hundred dollars because that's about what i need to make based on how many jobs i'm i'm able to find in my local area and what I have found the market is willing to support. I would ideally like to be twice that, but I'm going to find fewer clients that are going to be willing to pay that. And so it's, it's really just a matter of experimenting and looking around in your market and finding what the market will sustain versus what you actually need to charge. And you have to make sure that you're paying when you're doing that research, that you're taking everything with a little bit of a grain of salt, because you're going to find those people that are going to try and steal jobs for 150 or $200 for a full day. The thing is, you just have to keep in mind the businesses that want to pay that and are willing to hire that guy don't care about professionalism. They don't care about that person. And, and then you have to ask yourself, is that really the kind of client that I want to work for is somebody that would just as happily take way less quality work or risk something risk spending so little and getting whatever they get out of that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a really interesting point because part of the, part of the way I even thought about putting this in as part of my business was, um, I, for, for jobs that I needed to get done, I, I hired in one year, I had hired three or four photographers, you know, locally and, you know, the, the price, the price seemed fair. It wasn't low, it wasn't high. And it was, you know, just a couple hours of shooting, you know, shooting staff members for businesses and stuff. Yeah. And I, I was shocked how, you know, None of them were cropped. None of the lighting was right. And so, you know, we we had to do work on the back end of that. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we could have done that in a lot less time and, and, you know, we're having to put this time on the back end. I, it's, I I think part of what drives it is, um, I don't know what the right term is, but I'll call it, you know, there's like a black market photography. It's so much of the photography business seems to be done you know, by individuals that really don't have a business structure. And I I really, really appreciated how you and Erica have kind of put together, you know, the show in to try to bring the business. I, I did almost laugh at one of your, uh, one of your comments, like two shows ago, because you, you were talking about bookkeeping and, and you said, and this is where I started laughing. You said, um, I, hopefully I don't have to explain bookkeeping that's where you keep track of all your income and expenses. And I'm just dying because <laughs> literally that was, that was probably a really legit kind of fear that ran through your head yeah. for a second that, um, but that's a lot of the market. A lot of the market are is probably individuals and not 
people that are actually running it as a business. And, well, and, and that's the thing. I think that when you when you are coming at this with a business mindset and you really know what your pricing needs to be, you're not the person that's wrong here. You're the person that's coming in saying, okay, this is how this can be sustainable. And the thing is you can actually use that as a marketing tool that is to your advantage. If somebody, if it's rare that you'll get any kind of resistance back from clients. Usually if you bid and you're too high for what they think they want to pay, you just don't hear anything back. Um, but if you were to get any kind of resistance where they say, well, why are you this much when so-and-so is that much? The, the simple answer is, well, because I'm, I'm priced to stay in business. I, I'm the person that's going to be reliable. I'm the person that two years from now, when this person either changes their price or goes out of business because their prices are too low, I'm still going to be here because I am set up to be reliable. And there, there are some businesses where, I mean, truthfully, if, if their budget is $250 and that's all they can afford, they literally can't hire you. It, you are above their budget. They, they just cannot come to you. And businesses I find tend to be a little bit more on the side of, uh, well, like fit our budget or you're gone. Like it's, it's very, um, it, it's cold in a really awesome way because you don't have to, it's not an emotional decision that they're making and you don't have to try and appeal to their emotions. It's just, it's simple numbers. I can do this. Well, I'm going to be here. And if I'm too much, sorry, that's the end of the, this conversation. And you don't get people that say, Oh, I really would love to book you though. And, and blah, 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 sob story. Um, so, so to me, if a business were to give me any kind of resistance and say, well, why are you so much and why is this other person? I would just explain to them because I'm set up to actually be in business and they're, if they're giving you those kinds of prices, I, I'm sorry to tell them, but they're going to be out of business. And if you don't have the budget for me, then I'm sorry, but I can't work for you. And it's something that you can kind of be called back in that way where you just say, these are the numbers as they are. I'm not priced to a ridiculous amount. I'm not asking way more than what the value of this is worth. I'm priced at a reasonable amount for what this business should be charging. So, so I, I guess my, my attitude mm -hmm. is a little bit of, if people are underpricing you, a, you better hope that you're, you're doing better than them as far as the work product that you're putting out. But B, Screw them. You're doing it right. You're doing it the, the way that you need to to stay in business. Um, so it, it's the lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. Uh, you, you, need to, you need to keep in mind that you're in business and that the reason that your prices are set where they are is not just because, gee, I really would like $1,500 over $250. It's no, I literally have to have this much money in order to make it worth my while. Can I uh, put that on my desk? Uh, the lions don't concern themselves with sheep. I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, I think I think the actual phrase is lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. But I, I, I like that phrase a lot because I, I'm not in here to bite anyone else's head off. I don't want to uh, be nasty, ruthless business person that's uh, weaseling other people out. But at the same time, I... I I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, oh, you know what? You're coming to me with $250 for a job that realistically should be $2,000. I'm not going to sit here and say, maybe I can do it because the reality is I can't. And I'm not doing myself or you a service by telling you that I'm able to do it for less than what is what it is actually worth. And and yeah, yeah, that's that thought. Do you do you um, do you either in your website or in your pitch or whatever, do you somehow address that, that difference, like what the difference will be on the end product or anything when you're talking to corporate clients? Um, it, 
Yes and no. It, it kind of just depends on, uh, thankfully, because you're dealing with corporate clients, oftentimes if you ask what a budget is, you can say, okay, based on your budget, this is what I'm able to provide for you. And then I'll sometimes, if they're like, well, it's going to be around such and such, or if they give you a range where they say, I have between a thousand and two thousand dollars, I can, I'll, I'll put in essentially a number of different bids where I say, okay, well, if we're going for the thousand dollars, I can do this much coverage. I can do the full coverage, but I'm going to have way less deliverables. But if you want to spend a little bit more of that budget, here's what I could do instead and provide a bit higher level of service. And I'll give them that option. And oftentimes they'll pick something right down the middle of the road. If I give them three options, they'll pick the one in the middle. Um, but yes, uh, it, it really will kind of depend on clients. I don't have anything based, uh, anything written on my website for the business side of things. It's, it's something that I want to be providing bids on a client by client basis because I don't want to just say it costs $1,500 because maybe it doesn't. Maybe what they're asking for is a $7,000 job because they need me to build a set and hire other people and do a bunch of other stuff. And then they'll come back and say, but you said your day rate is 1500. Um, and then I have to go through and explain, okay, well, this is what line items are. You're adding a bunch of other things in your needs. So I, I would rather just say uh, when they first ask, Hey, do you do this? I say, yeah, my prices start here. This is that's for basic coverage. Um, and I'll ask what your budget is beyond that. Um, and, and that's that's always helped out. It helps you to then, of course, bid in an area that is going to be within the realm of what their budget is. Um, it, the largest job that I landed this year, I think I was possibly even telling you about it at the retreat, Ken. Um, but I, I landed it um, and it it was a, a $10,000 job. And I landed it because I was quoting and I was on a, l- a little bit on the high side, but I was around what they were expecting. Then I asked, OK, well, what's your budget? They told me, hey, this is our budget. I realized what they told me their budget was, was I was quoting on the high end of that. And I said, okay, how can I do this and make it just a little bit lower and add in other guarantees? So I, I added a guarantee of um, it, it's uh, for a large business doing a bunch of headshots. So I added a guarantee of for the next year, this quote will stand that even if you need me to come in for one person, I'll do it for a much lower rate than what I would. Otherwise I'm going to do it at the same guaranteed rate, even though the rate is based on volume. And that helped me sell something where it's like, okay, well, it's a little bit of a pain for me to now go back there once in a while to shoot two people when I, I'm really shooting those two people when priced for shooting 20 or more. But at the same time, it helped me land a pretty large job that overall it balances out to being worth my while in that instance. And it was all because I asked, Hey, what's your budget here? And they were, they're forthright. Again, it's, it's not something where they're necessarily looking to pinch their pennies. It's not their personal income. They have a budget for something and they will tell you, this is our budget. Sometimes they won't, but usually they, they'll give you an idea of what they're looking to spend and you can then come back and, and give them a bid based on what they're hoping to spend. So, so the, the business portraits, that makes sense. How, if, if a client's trying to get to know you on the event, the, the event side on corporate stuff, yeah. um, that's, you know, a lot of things that the businesses would really value, like, you know, four people holding the trophy and everything else would be truly horrific things to put in a portfolio. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you, um, how do you share your experience or, or, or whatever when you're, when you're courting a, a corporate for a client for an event for or an event where they want you? Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, truth be told, I would say that if if that is an area that you're looking to have your business in, it's not a bad idea, even though those photos aren't pretty. Um, it's not a bad idea to have a section of your portfolio that, uh, say, you have the corporate overall header. It just says corporate work or commercial works, things like that. And under that, say, um, corporate events and have those photos that the average person isn't going to be blown away by these photos because it's something that you're not necessarily it's an event. So you're not there with all this lighting set up and everything like that. You're trying to shoot natural light in a dark room and it's boring. It's a person holding a trophy on stage. Um, but the kinds of clients that you're trying to book there, that is going to matter to them. And since it's going to matter to them, I would, I would actually make a portfolio that on my website and make a section that has that kind of work in there for people to see that's something that's available. Even if you don't want to necessarily advertise that on the front, front of your page oftentimes with corporate clients you're they've approached you and asked hey do you do this kind of thing um rather than going to your website seeing that you do it and saying we're ready to book you uh, usually they're they're getting bids from multiple different people and they'll ask even if it's not on your website um and so something you could do there is have an unlinked portion of your page so it's not on your main website but you can just say oh yeah actually if you go to um photosbyken.com is that what it is photosbyken.com slash events or whatever it might be then you can see that and it's already ready for you to go there where, where you don't have to then quickly scramble to put something together um, but you also don't have to directly have that on your site because you don't feel like it's the strongest work that you have to show um, just two different that, ways of thinking about it that's a really awesome suggestion I really really like that a lot because I'd like to have it available where I could send it as a link or whatever but you're right I don't I don't think it's what would I want a feature on, on the site itself, but I love that idea. That's really good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, good. I'm, I'm glad. Um, so we're, we're actually already starting to run towards the end of the show, but let's, let's quickly touch on the next topic. Can you remind me what, what it was exactly that we're trying to hit here? It, yeah. So picking up a little bit with, uh, I think what you covered last week, um, I wanted to talk a little bit. I like, um, especially on the portrait side to do, um, things with a darker background to kind of drive the viewer to look at the person's face yeah. or whatever, which is w- where you want. Same thing. Uh, photographers will do with depth of field. They'll, yeah, they'll make yeah. Use, a lot of using the luminosity as the, the way to draw attention to certain things in the photo. Right. So I tend to like things that have very dark black backgrounds. I'm not afraid to go to totally black, you know, at some point um, to draw the face in. But again, on especially like on the business side in general, uh, well, I guess it's two parts. First of all, that's probably, I can't think of any way to make that work on the business side, but if you had an idea, I'd love to hear that. But the second, the second part of the question would be, I would love to do even if it came at the expense of the corporate work, I'd love to shoot that kind of work all the time. But even people that want portrait stuff, it, it tends to be the airy. I think your expression is the butterflies and rainbows. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Shoot, shoot versus, you know, a very, a very dark background, even though I think it's, it's frankly very beautiful. Yeah, no. I, I, so, so the biggest consideration here is just keeping in mind that, corporate commercial versus retail clients. And the the thing to keep in mind with that is that 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 style being like dramatic artsy in the portrait realm is always going to appeal 
more more logically to the retail side. The problem is a retail client is not going to have nearly the same budget. The benefit of it is that the retail side also isn't going to have all of the extra additional uh, production time and all of the extra efforts that have to go into making really elaborate versions of what that are. Um, is so so i i would really consider two different ways i mean if if you're thinking that your day rate needs to be whatever the fifteen hundred dollars the problem is with a retail client is you're gonna have to charge less most likely um it's it's not to say that you couldn't then sell prints and do in-person sales in fact that's a, a very viable way to do business the problem is that's going to if you're also targeting some of the corporate type work um, those two brands are not going to mesh very well together. They're, they're going to clash with each other a bit because you're saying, Hey, I'd love to do stuff with business people, but I also want, want to do stuff with a family and do like cool senior portraits or whatever it might be. Um, uh, and, and so just from a standpoint of, I'm, I'm going to approach this with the idea that you want to keep all of your stuff as a single brand and maybe keep it on the, the corporate side. The, the, Something uh, terminology differences here. Now, now we have corporate work, which is typically um, guy sitting around a computer, smiling, light and bright, happy um, environmental lifestyle shots that are usually posed and faked and, and stuff like that. Or you have like headshots and stuff like that is is also in the realm of corporate work. Now, on the other side of that is the commercial work. So corporate work is usually stuff for internal purposes. You're, you're trying to make that business look appealing to other people that want to work there or to use as a professional face in dealing with other businesses and other people. But on the commercial side, that's where you are helping to sell the things to the other people. And I, I think that doing dark and dramatic and hip and cool um, portrait stuff actually fits in quite well on the commercial side of that. Now, now you work in advertising, so you already are kind of familiar in this realm. It's just a matter of tar targeting the right kinds of clients that have the kinds of product that doing dark, dramatic, cool, edgy looking stuff is going to work. I mean, look at any kind of fashion magazine that you have, and you're going to find really cool, dark themed styled, um, dramatic looking portraiture somewhere in there. I mean, think, think perfume ads, it, it, it exists out there in the world. So to me, I, I have long time in that realm. I've actually been going more retail with my work and because I'm pushing more towards the commercial side with a lot of my business, I'm also trying to turn that side of my ship, um, that side of the dramatic fun, artsy portraiture that I do and make that more into the commercial style that I think could actually sell a product. So I, I think that in doing that, it's, it's something that I think that I talked about recently with somebody else on, on a sticking points um, where when you're doing that, you just want to start paying attention to not only do I want to do cool, dark, dramatic portraits, but do it in a way that I could potentially be selling something. So even if it's a portfolio shoot that's for fun and you're just doing this because you really love this style of work, I would start considering, okay, how could I make this something that I could make into an ad that I could make into a commercial side where I could sell this to a client on that regard? No, that's, that's really good. So maybe even like integrate some, 
product photography with with yeah. a model or with whatever yeah yeah, yeah and, and and truly i mean even if if doing like tabletop product where you have the product down in the corner or something if that doesn't necessarily interest you uh, there uh, there are advertising firms that will hire one guy who does product stuff and one person who does like this the, the environmental like lifestyle whatever dramatic portrait for the other thing you don't necessarily have to be able to do both but just thinking about okay well if we're doing the lifestyle maybe if in my mind, I'm, I'm creating that perfume ad, maybe having something that will either be the person holding a perfume bottle or something that's going to be a romantic story that is going to help sell the idea of I'm selling perfume here and stuff like that, where, where instead of just creating dramatic portrait because it's, it's fun and beautiful to create those things, think about the story that you're trying to tell to help sell a thing and, and creating from that kind of a creative space instead of just, I want to create because the lighting and stuff like that is fun. No, that's really, that's really strong. That's really good. Awesome. Um, well, well, before I wrap up, is there anything else that um, you wanted me to go back to and clarify any further? No, I, th- this has been super helpful. I, I think the, you know, the challenge is that the photography business is weird. Like we talked about is it's weird. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not too many people that want to become electricians that that suddenly out of high school just start showing up <laughs> at people's doors. You know, I'll do to, it for two hundred bucks. Yeah, trying to say I'll do it for two hundred bucks, and if they did, no one would hire them. But but we're in a we're in an industry that um, smart people like you are saying, do I have to explain what bookkeeping is? I mean, yeah, it's just this kind of crazy um, crazy thing. But I I love it and would just love. Again, even if it's not the full time gig, I'd I'd love to just up the amount that I do each year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it it's a weird space because most people are starting out in this industry because they have fun with the art side of it and the creative side, and they don't think about the business until much later. And and well, I'm hoping that us being here talking about thinking about this not only from an art side but also a viable business standpoint is going to kind of help mesh those two worlds together for more, more and more of the people listening. Well, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, most certainly. Well, thank you so much for for joining us, Ken. And thank all of you out there listening to this. I hope that this has been a fun and helpful episode for for you. Again, if you want to join us for one of these one-on-one mentoring sessions, you can go to portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on sticking points. Thank you guys so much. You guys have a great week. Portrait Session is a part of the Master Photography Podcast Network, which can be found at masterphotographypodcast.com. Our intro music was written and produced by our good friend Seth Munson. If you like our show, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes to help other photographers find it as well. Past episodes and additional educational content can be found on our show's website at portraitsessionpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening.